You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at weddingtonchurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16. While you're turning, it is great to be able to join together once again to worship our God and to study the scripture. And for those of you who are joining us online, we are so grateful that you are part of our church community as well. Speaking of online, some of you have had a little bit of fun this past week. Um, since Dr. Rogel, if you want to know the culprit, loves to uh, research some things. And in our 200th anniversary and all, uh, we were talking about, I just finished my 16th year, beginning my 17th year on February the 1st. And uh, Dr. Rogel went and found some old pictures. And they were, all of them were, several of them were sent out to the staff. You're lucky only one of them was posted for you to be able to enjoy. Um, I was about 30 years old. It's amazing how much you can change in 10 years. Um, (laughs) You think that, I mean, why is that funny? Um, So, but just so you know, Dr. Rogel, revenge is best served cold, (laughs) really cold. Um, and so, uh, but it, it was fun to be able to enjoy Carly, our communications person sent me a note and said, you know, permission to have some fun with you about you on social media. I said, go for it. Just, you know, have a good time. Uh, so it, it is, it is great to be the church together again and starting a new year together with you as your pastor. The other is, uh, I know it was mentioned and share with you that we're having, uh, a vote or a church conference immediately following the service in our Family Life Center, which is the building next door. Um, and if you did not receive, hopefully you received an email that shared like here are 15 points of why we're looking at this. Um, if you did not, you can send a note to info at weddingtonchurch.org and let us know you're not receiving our stuff if you would like to so that you can receive the various communications. And if you want a hard copy of that, there's some hard copies at this desk at the information center. There's some more hard copies that are there at the, uh, the desk in the Family Life Center as well so that you can, you can see. And we'll touch base on some of that just in a little while. Acts chapter 16. Now, as we read this, one of the things I want to remind you of is that Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also writes Acts. So it is Luke who is telling us this story of what happens during this journey with Paul. Acts 16, beginning at verse 6. Luke writes... They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen this vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced 
that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas, took a straight course to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis. From there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and the privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this will be your message and not my own. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. There was a Scottish poet back in 1786 who said, the best laid plans of mice and men. I mean, how many of us have heard the best laid plans. You may have a plan. Here's what I'm going to do. And here's where I'm going. And here's how it's going to work. And all of a sudden, God can throw us a little bit of a curveball. Or there's another saying that if you want to make God laugh, just tell him about your plans. <laughs> right? Because sometimes God has a plan for us in a direction where he wants us to go and we just can't see it yet. And Paul had a plan. He was on a missionary journey. Paul had a map. He knew, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start out here, and we're going to go here, and then we're going to go here, and maybe down into Asia, down in here for a little bit, and we're going to do this. And, and he had it all laid out, and he had Silas who was, was traveling along with him. And, and just earlier, if you back up a few verses from what we read, they'll pick up Timothy. So you've got Paul and Silas and Timothy now that are on this plan, and they're heading this direction, and... And God prevents them. Now, when you first read that, you go, God prevented them from going to Asia. What did he have against Asia? That wasn't the point. There, there's ministry that has occurred in Asia and will occur in Asia, and there are churches that are there. But what's happening is, is God is sending Paul on a mission. He has a plan for him. Some, he has a, a task that's set before him that he can't even begin to see yet. I think I'm going to go down here to Asia. No, you're not. Then I'm going to go up here to Bithynia. No, you're not. He keeps going west until he is up in Troas. And while there, we're told in verse 9 that during the night, Paul has a vision. And we've been looking at visions over the last few weeks as we begin this new year together. And we began with the scripture where there is no vision, the people perish from Proverbs. We looked at Solomon's vision when God says, ask me what you want, I'll give it to you. And he goes, then give me, give me wisdom, give me a, a discerning mind, a listening heart. We, we look then at, at the vision that happens with Peter and Cornelius that the gospel is for all people. And for Cornelius, you may be a devout man, but there was something missing. 
And Paul now has a vision, and there's a man from Macedonia. Now, Macedonia is this region across the water to the west, and he has this vision of a man from Macedonia pleading with him. Catch that. It wasn't that he simply was going, Paul, come over to us. Come visit us sometime. Y'all come now, you hear? It's not what it was. He's pleading. He's begging. Please come to Macedonia and share with us. Help us. And when Paul wakes up from the vision, he firmly believes that this is what God is calling him to do. Now, I want you to take a look, too, at verse 10. You're going to notice something. In verse 6, we heard they... And now in verse 10, the language shifts to we. And there's a reason for that. Who wrote Acts? Thank you. You know, I try, I give you the answer early on. Later, I come back, ask you the question. Glad to see that you were with me. Some of the other services need a little coaching. Glad you were there. So Luke now, it appears, is joining up with Paul and Silas and Timothy. And now Luke is the entourage. And Luke shares with us, we, because he's now part of it, we were convinced that God had called us to preach, proclaim the good news to them. You have this amazing message now that that is being sent. And so they arrive in Macedonia and they go to Philippi. Macedonia is the region. Philippi is the town. Now, they were there for several days, we're told. And then on the Sabbath day, they started looking for the place of prayer. Now, what that means is in a lot of these Gentile territories, there may not be a synagogue built. There may not be enough of a Jewish community that a synagogue has actually been built yet. So they would have a place of prayer where the Hebrew people, the Jewish people would come together and share the scriptures, talk about the scriptures, pray together. And, and so that's what Paul and Silas Timothy and Luke are looking for. So they decided to go outside the gate of the city down near the water because part of worship would be purifying yourself. And and so near the water, they could then purify themselves, wash their hands and all. And so they go down by the water and sure enough, there's a group of people there and we're told there was a group of ladies. It's a group of women that were there. Now, this is a sermon for another day, but Paul is so often misread and misquoted and misunderstood on the role of women in the church and the role of women in leadership because, you know, one of the things you see here is that there's a group of women and Paul and the others share with them. Now, that reminds us when Jesus was making the journey and he goes through Samaria and he comes to this well and he sees this Samaritan woman at the well and he begins talking to her. And when the disciples come up, they're like. And that's because in biblical times, if you were not family, men didn't have conversations with women in public like that, lest it would be misconstrued and misunderstood what was happening there. But here they're gathered together and 
Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, they're talking to them and sharing with them and telling them about the message of Jesus. And one of the women who was there listening was a very impressive lady. Her name was Lydia. We don't learn much about her, but what we do learn is pretty impressive. And she is an independent woman. We don't hear anything about having a husband. Some argue that she may even have been a freed slave, but she has done well. She has some influence. She is a businesswoman in a male-dominated culture. She is a wealthy person because she's selling purple. Now, that probably didn't mean much to us, like selling purple, but you've got to go back to biblical times. And if you watch a, a movie, or a lot of times you've watched movies about biblical times, did you ever notice how most people wear earth tone clothing? Why? Because that's the cheapest clothing. It's something that's natural color. If you could afford to pay for dyes, if you could afford to pay to have your clothes change colors, that meant you had extra money because uh, that's beyond lunch money. That's beyond, you know, food, clothing, shelter money. And, and so, and then if you were able to afford purple cloth, that's, that's like the elite. That's the wealthy because it took a lot of shellfish and again, without the equipment and the things and the tools that we have today, it took a lot of shellfish to squeeze out enough dye, enough ink to turn cloth to purple. That meant it was expensive. That meant she was dealing with the upper echelon of wealthy. She's a dealer in purple. She was a wealthy, influential person. She was also, we're told, a worshiper of God. She's a Gentile, but yet she had heard enough about this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She had heard enough about this God of Moses that she believed in this God. Last week, we talked about Cornelius, who was a Roman officer, an officer in the Roman army, and he had now believed in this Hebrew God. We don't know that they converted to Judaism, but what we do know is she believed enough in God that on the Sabbath day, she, a Gentile woman, goes to find where the Hebrew Jewish people are gathering to study the scripture and to pray. Do you, do you catch that? She is journeying now to be with them. And we're told that God opened her heart to listen eagerly. Now that's the Holy Spirit at work. Now that's a prayer, by the way, that every preacher prays on Sunday morning. And they're like, God, open their hearts to listen eagerly. Right? And it's the prayer we pray for ourselves. God, open my heart so that I can listen eagerly so that this is your message and not my own. So God had, had opened her heart so she had listened eagerly. Now I want you to catch what's going on here. Because this is just a few verses. 
but Paul had a plan. I'm going to go here. God said, no, you're not. Well, then I'll go there. You're not going there either. Then I'm just going to go here. Stay there for a minute. Gives him a vision. Here's where I want you to go. God's moving. Do you see this? God's moving in his Holy Spirit to get Paul where he wants him to be. And God's moving in Lydia to get her at the right place at the right time so that she can now listen eagerly to this gospel that Paul is about to share. And then you get verse 15. She and her household are baptized. Did you catch what happened? She listened eagerly. Did you catch what happened? She becomes a Christian. She accepts Jesus Christ as her Savior and as her Lord. It's the coolest thing. And, and now, I want you to catch this, because, I mean, this, this, it, this is a great book. I mean, I just, it's a great book. I encourage you to get one. You can download them, bestseller. Because when you read it, what else happens then is, we're told that she and her household are baptized. You know what that means? That means that she took this gospel, she took this faith, and took it home. And we don't know, was she a widow with kids? We don't know. It was the household, you know, other servants and people who work for her. We don't know. But it is very important. You need to catch this. It's very important that not only she, but the entire household becomes Christian. Because there's more. God's not done yet. And here's the cool thing that I want you to catch. Lydia becomes the first European convert under Paul's ministry. Did you catch that? So there's some trivia for you. She becomes the first European convert under Paul's ministry because... Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Remember what Jesus said as he was ascending? You'll be my witnesses here in Jerusalem throughout the region of Judea, across Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Now, last week, we made it to Caesarea, which is on kind of the the western, northwestern part of Israel on the coastline. Now, we've made it all the way to Europe. And Lydia is now baptized, which means she, even though she was this influential business person with a lot of contacts, boldly now shares, I am a Christian. This is who I am. I now believe in Jesus Christ. But there's still more. She then says to Paul and Silas, Timothy and Luke, come and stay at my house. And they're like, oh, no, we're too, there's too many of us. Don't worry about it. And we're, she prevailed upon us. She didn't give up. Thanks for the politeness. But no, seriously, come and stay at my house. If you've judged me to be faithful, then honor me by coming and staying in my house. So they did, and they stay there for a few days. And, and, and what happens is, you've got to catch this, is that house then becomes the center of Paul's preaching in Philippi or to the Philippians, and there'll be a letter. 
But he, it becomes the focal point of his preaching, which means, are you ready for this? That house became a church. Did you catch it? The house became a church. Now, one of the coolest things years ago, we had a ministry in Cuba, and some of you uh, went with me to Cuba. I had the privilege of going there several times, and um, hopefully we can restore that someday. But we had a farm there and uh, very involved in Jovianos, and uh, it was a great place to be in ministry. But one of the things that I enjoyed about Cuba was, did you know that you couldn't start a new church in Cuba, but you could build a garage on your house? And, and did you know the funny thing about most people building a garage on their house? Most of them didn't have cars. You couldn't get a permit to build a church, but you could get a permit to build a garage on your house, even though you didn't have a car. Because under that communist system, you know, if, if everybody can't have one, you can't have one. And, and so, you know, what they had was they had old cars. They were like 50s model cars. I mean, it was the coolest thing. I rode in a 55 Chevrolet with a German diesel engine. It's amazing the ingenuity that they have there. But, but, you know, you see old cars going around. That's why you see the classics. But you don't see new ones. If you saw newer cars, that typically meant it was a tourist or a government official. But you get a permit to build a garage on your house. Why? Because they, they couldn't start a church building, but they could build a garage. And in the garage, you started a church and you had a house church. I had the privilege of preaching in several garages throughout Cuba. And it's the coolest thing that the Christians in the community would come together to the house, gather up in the garage, and become church. And here, you have a church to start. And you're thinking, I think you're pushing that a little bit much. Well, no, I'm not. Because if you keep reading the scripture, one of the things you'll see is Paul is about to, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, heal this young girl who's being treated unmercifully and, and she's being slaved and her, her owner is making all kinds of money off of her illness and things. And, and so that's going to lead to all of this complaints that are going to be filed. Paul's going to get arrested. He's going to go to prison. You need to read the story. There's a whole earthquake that's involved. It's a great message. And, but then here's what happens is in verse 40, after leaving the prison they went to Lydia's home they get out of prison where do they go back to Lydia's house and when they had seen and encouraged the brothers and sisters there then they departed but did you get it they went back to the house and there was brothers and sisters who were there there was a church see what God did was, I'm going to go here. No, you're not. I'm going to go here. No, you're not. You're going to go here. Gets Lydia ready so he can birth a church. It was risky because if you keep reading and you get over to chapter 17, for example, you'll see a guy by the name of Jason. Paul and the, and the entourage go to Jason's house and the community gets all upset about it. Next thing you know, Jason's the one that's drug out of his house out on the street. Jason's the one that's brought before the magistrate. Jason's the one who's, who has to pay all these fines because if, if the, the household owner is the one who was responsible for what happened with their guest. It was risky for somebody like Lydia, as prominent as she was, but she lays it out there because God gave Paul a vision, gave Lydia a listening heart, 
And together they birth the church of Jesus Christ. And the gospel expands to Europe. We were talking, we're 200 years old now as a church, and it's, it's really cool to see what all God is doing and to see you know, the, the history of this church and to hear some of the things we, Rob actually sent because he loves researching history. And, and we had been looking for a date. Now we know it was on July the 15th of 1824 that the Weddington family donated the four acres across the street for, to the Sandy Ridge Methodist Episcopal Church that then became Weddington Methodist Church and we moved across the street over here to the school building but it's kind of cool to see what God is doing and we're trying to discern you know who is God calling us to be and what is the future that God's calling us to be and and we may be going we're going to go here and God may be going <laughs> no you're not God throws curveballs. The key thing is that we're open to it. Paul was open to going where God told him to go. Lydia was opening to listen to what God wanted to say. If we can do those two things and by Luke, be convinced that God has called us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will be the church God is calling us to be. We will be that church. Now on the staff meeting we had Tuesday on Tuesdays at 1.30, we gather together and we worship together as a staff team before we have our staff meetings. And, and we read the scripture and I said, who, because we talk about this Macedonian call, who is pleading with this church to share the gospel with them? Wow, that's something we need to pray about. Who is pleading with this church to share the gospel with them. You see, God so loved the world, and we were watching it spread in the scripture, that Jesus dies not just for us, but for the world. But the challenge is God's depending on us to share it with the world. God's depending on us to get convinced that we are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We might just see revival.